Good heavens, it's a Bobcast. Welcome to episode 18. Hi, how are you going? Thanks for tuning in again. I'm your host, Bob Evans. I'm going to keep this intro short, I promise. I'm not going to talk for too long because this podcast is quite a lengthy one. Um, so I'm just going to quickly just say I'm going on tour all through uh, April, May and June. You can buy tickets from my website, bobevans.com.au. I'd love for you to come along. It's a solo tour, and it's going to be lots of fun, so please come. If you've been enjoying the Bobcast, I'd love to have you rate and review it favorably on iTunes. And also don't forget the Spotify soundtrack. Uh, it's On Spotify, it's called Good Evans. It's a Bobcast soundtrack, and all the songs that we talk about on this episode and all previous episodes are available to listen to there. Okay, let's get straight into it, shall we? Uh, my guest for episode 18 is my good mate Cram, who is the drummer and often the lead singer, but not always, of the great Australian band Spiderbait. I've known Cram for ages. I've been wanting to talk to him on this podcast for ages. We actually were going to do it during a Day on the Green tour last year, but, uh, you know, of course it didn't happen. So I was really happy that we finally managed to make, make it happen. We caught up on St. Patrick's Day. Uh, as it happens, uh, Spiderbait, we're in Melbourne. Uh, I caught up with him before he had to go and play a show. We drank beer in his hotel room and we had a really, really great chat. Um, Cram, apart from being a lovely guy um, and an insanely talented musician, as anybody who has followed Spiderbait would know, uh, he's also, on top of that, he's got a brilliant musical brain. He knows his stuff. He knows a lot more than me. That's for sure. But um, I had a great time chatting to him. I hope you have a great time listening. Here we go. This is episode 18 of Good Evans. It's a Bobcast. Yesterday, I listened to my first podcast, and was I'm, I'm very much an old school analog person, yeah. so I don't use iTunes. I don't have playlists. Yeah, um, I use my phone pretty much just for photographs and emails and as a telephone. Yeah, you know? yeah. I still talk to people on the phone too. <laughs> a lot of people don't do oh, that. Man, yeah, it's I know. Um, I stopped doing that years ago. <laughs> well, some people I know I did. Did this record with um, that band Stonefield? Ah, yes. Yeah, yeah I we produced some wrote and some stuff with them. Yeah, and I remember um, telling Hannah, I was like, you know, I want to talk to you about something for the next session. I was like, I'll give you a call, and she's like, oh. <laughs> and I called her, and she's like, and she said that when she, the phone rang, it was like, oh, yeah, yeah. Like, people just don't that generation. Isn't that crazy? So I think she's we, early twenties. Doesn't they just don't talk on the phone very I've, rarely? I, I, it feels like we've already started. So. Um, I, haven't we already started? But we have. <laughs> I just, but I haven't had the chance to formally welcome you to the Bobcast, uh, Graham. Thank, Thank you, you very John. much. Thank for, you, <laughs> for giving Thank me time on uh, St. Patrick's Day. Can I also 
um, say how I'm very impressed with this the gadget. rather interesting tripod yeah. gadget that you've got yeah. here. Yeah, I think it's like... Have a... you got a photo of this up on your... No, thing? do you think I should? Absolutely. You can take a photo of it. <laughs> so people know what it looks it's, like. It's um, a very... Yeah, I think it's like a little, like a basic sort of four-track kind of recorder because there are two little mic things well, looks, at it looks one like, end. It looks like a droid, man. But these, yeah, that, I, it does, I guess, when you put it like that, it's it does a look like kind a of, droid. Kind of look, uh, so, seven, late 70s does, does Star it Wars era. Yeah. Um, it doesn't have a name. BE7? It needs a name. BE7? Um, well, it's, it's, oh, it's a DR40. It's a DR40. It does. It sounds like, you know, Star Wars, you yeah. know, R2-D2. So you, have, you, you do have a friend on tour because it's a lonely life being a solo. Yeah. But you've got, you got DR40. i got DR40. Yeah, are yeah. you holding any oh. plan? Are you DR40? Just while we're here, are you holding any secret plans of any of the Empire's doomsday devices? And if so, can you please not incriminate Bob Evans in any of your um, world domination? But yeah, what you were saying before about the phone thing, I mean, that is kind of full on like that, that technology, because I think it's true, like I've seen the same thing and I've, I'm falling victim to it myself. Yeah. Um, yeah, like when, when the phone rings, it's like if, I, if a number comes up that isn't programmed in, I don't even consider answering them. No, no, I never answer the ever. phone either. But it's not, it's not because I'm, because I'm any, because I don't. It's not because I don't talk on the phones that I don't want to don't want to find out who it is. I'm just scared. Of, I'm just automatically thinking it's going to be the fucking bank. It's a bill. <laughs> it's like me and I are like a late paying a fucking bill. Or it's going to be something bad. You well, know. Some, sometimes that can be um, totally <laughs> counterproductive. For instance, I got a call from Telstra. Yeah, that's and, the other uh, one. And the, the, she, the woman was in the Philippines or something, as they are, and mm-hmm. said, look, I'm going to offer you this new deal. You're using so much um, data, data, yeah. data, as you uh, much more than your deal that you that I did like years ago, and uh, we want to offer you much more just for a little bit extra per month, and it's going to be save you heaps of money because you're overpaying your bills all the time. Yeah. I'm like, oh, that's great. Though, as logical as her argument was, I found myself um, confounded by the stigma of person ringing me trying yeah. to offer me deal so I end up like yeah I'll call you back I'm like even though it would have been better for me to say yes yeah I think purely because of the intrusiveness mm. I said no yeah, so I'm yeah. still overpaying heaps of money yeah I should change the bill but sometimes that you know that thing of people try and sell you things at a dinner table you know mm. they go hey here's some free cigarettes <laughs> no no sorry here's, do you want free drinks yeah. for the rest of your life or yeah yeah, I mean, World we definitely piece. do live in an age where, you know, there's so much kind of pushy salesmanship. You know, I hate at the airport, the um, the wine people. Like, sometimes oh, yeah. you're just walking to catch a... And you'll just... And I'll yeah. purposely walk, like, a good five, ten... I don't know if, like, yeah. I just give off a vibe that I drink a lot of wine. Yeah, yeah. This but, guy looks like he needs some wine. <laughs> this guy looks drunk. Let's yeah. see if he does wine. I stumble out there's of a, the There's the a drinker at seven o'clock. Okay, pull out the pot. Walk past and I walk, keep my distance and I don't look their way and they'll yell out, excuse me, sir, excuse me. It's like, come on, surely I'm, yeah. you can't tell, you can tell from my body language that I'm just, not interested. Just stop all you pushing do, shit on me. All you've got to do is pretend you're talking on the phone. Yeah, yeah. So you're yeah, like, yeah, mum. Yeah, that would solve yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, but then no. even that's just like, oh, so much effort to go to. Just no. And sometimes I, you might want to have a, a little drinky. Well, I mean, but I mean, if I was going to buy a bottle of wine, I'd, I, I just can't imagine that that, would be the best place to buy it. You what know? Are, so what are the premise? Aren't they... 
they're not are they selling you like a deal where you get I don't sent know. wine? I don't know. I've never I've never looked into it. Yeah. I just I just stay well away. Don't wanna <laughs> I don't wanna engage in that. Next time I'm 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 going to the airport tomorrow, so I'm, I'm going to look out. You're going to look out there, yeah, okay. There's a friend of mine, Bob, he doesn't like you. You've got, to tra- <laughs> you've got to change your... Actually, what you should do, if you see him coming, totally ignore him and he might get drawn. Yeah, yeah. What's this all about? <laughs> change your tact. Yeah. Because, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I do spend quite a lot of money on wine, but it all adds up, but yeah, never never in that way. The other, other weird salesman thing that happened to me recently too was that I... Uh, so this guy, an electricity, you know, electricity person, door knocker, comes okay. to the house, and um, and normally I just say I'm not interested or whatever. But they, they kind of caught me at a vulnerable time. I might have been doing some gardening or something, so I was already outside. Okay, so I couldn't slam the door. And so I listened to them, and after a while, sometimes you know I can start to feel a bit sorry for the person that's selling because while they're talking and I'm not really kind of listening to the deal stuff, I'm thinking like, oh, look, what I wonder what this person's situation is, why. Got this job, and yeah. you know, it'd be a pretty crappy job. Yeah, um, and so and they're working on commissions and stuff, and yeah. yeah, they'd have rude people, you know, slamming doors in them all the time. Mm. And, um, like so you might, you might have done like me, like I had done the garden at the time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so anyway, he, I, he, he basically just wore me down. He wore me down, and then I was just, and but at the same time, I was kind of thinking, oh yeah, you know, my electricity bills have been getting pretty high lately. So it's like okay. Oh, I'm in, you know, and I'm not, and I won't say the name of the company because I don't want to advertise them, but... Dodgy Brothers. <laughs> electricity let's just say it was a company that I'd never heard of before. Um, and so I was like... He, like, showed, he showed that, um, it's like, he realised it was a Monopoly card, the electric yeah, company. Yeah, that really, yeah, yeah. that he flashed really yeah. quickly. Um, so I was like, right, you can have my electricity and my gas. You can have both of them. Um, and I was especially kind of into the fact that he said that um, they would call my gas and electricity supply and do all that shit for me which I was really into right. because the last thing I wanted to do we'll was break, up with, your girlfriend. We'll exactly. break up with your girlfriend for you and yes. then you go out with me yes exactly <laughs> and I'm like that sounds perfect that sounds perfect yeah. um, but then the, and so that all happened and, and, and it's so far so good but the weird thing that's happened oh so my original ones called me up uh, did call me up and kind of say look we've being contacted by so and so, so my my ex girlfriend right, oh, right. has called up and gone, hey, I just found out that you didn't want to go out with me anymore, and, and that's totally cool. Can it's totally talk? cool. I'm not angry. Yeah, I'm yeah, not angry yeah, with you. Yeah. Um, I just want to make sure that this is you know yeah. really what you want to do. Wanna make you a counter offer. Yeah, I want to. I just want to say, look, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I'm willing to kind of go out in a few more days, maybe try some yeah. different stuff in the bedroom. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I might cook. I'm, I'm, I might start cooking a bit. You know. And I said, and I was like, no, no, it's like, I'm sorry. It's over. I'm sorry, it's over. Um, yeah. Somebody Thanks better. for the good somebody time. Else, somebody else has gone. I've been meaning to tell you for a while that I wasn't satisfied. <laughs> yeah, you know. It's true. It's, it's, not, true. it's not you, it's yeah, me. Yeah, and to you be know, honest. I'm just going in a different direction yeah. in my life. I was only, the only reason it's taking this on to break up with you is because I was being lazy. Yeah, and, yeah. That and you deserve the best. <laughs> you know, you don't deserve, <laughs> a, hack. You don't deserve <laughs> a hack like me. Come on. Well then, so that, and that was all fine. And then, like, just recently, because this was how I'll have a, like, you know, in like October last year or something. And then just recently, I got a call from my, from the same ex-girlfriend. Yep. Going, hey, it's just, we're still, we're still, we miss you. <laughs> <laughs> we're still here. 
Come on! Well, like, you're already, you're already with the message. It. You're already signed on the paper I'll, for the new. It's already happening. It's like I'm not, you know. But that's like once. So this is now where I've got to the point with my phone where um, I'm just blocking now. I'm blocking numbers. Yeah. So as soon as I know that a certain number, as now, if on the odd occasion that I will kind of pick up, and I realise that it's selling something, I'm just. I'm is just that now? I have I have a question here about this issue because is it possible for you to recognise? If your number is being blocked by someone else, like let's say you want to call someone up, Good and they question. and is there a way? Mm. Let's say you were friends, and you want to hang out or whatever, and you don't realise they don't actually like you at all and they don't want to talk to you. <laughs> yes. Um, is there a way by if it goes, does it go straight to voicemail? No, that is a good question. Is there a blocking, blocking sort of? Um, trigger yeah, that you can get to know oh I'm blocked I'm blocked yeah I don't know because I, I'm sure I rang someone a while ago and I'm like that's weird and it's like because they and, I, and do they know that you've called them if you're truly blocking someone I don't it, think they would know so I think they're just like blocked, I don't know sorry lost your number I think once you've blocked some blocked a number then yeah like you wouldn't it goes pop straight into the pond doesn't yeah, it yeah yeah you never you wouldn't even know that if that it's person should it's nasty isn't it so yeah but I mean it's good yeah it's good and nasty <laughs> that's, that's what it's all about that's you a know. useful that's a useful function now you've got to save you've got to save room for podcasts and stuff on your phone now like I this being mm-hmm. my first participation in a podcast yeah yesterday on the plane I was flying down to Melbourne and I wanted to um, in, indulge myself in the airline entertainment yes. service, which has lots of sure. movies and TV yeah, yeah. and all that sort of yep. stuff. But none of it was working, but all the audio stuff was working. You know, sometimes they say, sorry, the uh, audio, the entertainment's not working this flight. Um, you might be lucky. And then the whole, you can hear the whole plane is collective sigh. Yeah. <sighs> Groan, yeah. yeah. Anyway, so I'm looking through, and uh, there was a few audio books and I didn't like them. And I looked at these podcasts and I'm like, oh, this is an, it's a meditation one. So I listened oh, to well, one yeah, of the meditation right. ones. And this, yeah. the first one was this guy is telling you how to sit and all this stuff. And I didn't like his voice. So I changed to this other one. And um, it, this one was done by a woman. And I just completely found myself transfixed by her voice. No like I, I became trance-like. Like I'm, I'm looking forward to going back no into way. meditation world tomorrow. And it's a weird thing because airplanes have a strange aspect you know you and I fly all the time because of our work you spend a lot of time on planes yeah. so in the early days when you first do it you used to drink all the time it's like yeah, yeah let's, let's party sure. then you kind of into a talking phase later on I've reached a more solitary phase yeah, now yeah. where I, st- I in the last few years I've been staring out the window at oh, the glory okay. yeah. of the world which is yeah. it's honestly amazing like, yeah. and I can't believe I ignored it so I used to play video games on the plane. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm staring out the window, just looking at the clouds. And you know, when you fly over to WA, that's incredible. You get to see the red dirt. Yeah, yeah. If you're Australia, lucky, if you fly yeah. around the coast, you get to see the intricate coastlines, yeah, yeah. the beauty of the country, yeah. and of the planet. You know. So I'm in the podcast. I'm staring at the window, at the clouds. She's telling me just to love yourself self-love this is a beautiful thing relax your nose relax your brain <laughs> how do you relax your nose I don't know I, I relaxed it relax your legs you're you you are the, the the center of the loving universe within yourself and it was oh and I was just like oh this is magic I'm so good then I realized I've fallen asleep and I'm drooling <laughs> out of my, and, and so the drool so there's this drooly guy but I I found it to be so relaxing um 
so I've got another thing that I like yeah, to do. Well, so sure. it's, it's funny that we should finally get our podcast togetherness when I finally joined the podcast world. Yeah, really. so I'm sure that there would be a ton. I mean, there's probably a, a category of podcasts, mm. you know, on iTunes or whatever that's just devoted to that, to meditation Meditation stuff. is it's, awesome. I don't, I don't even know if I was really meditating. I was just yeah. vegging on the voice totally like I wasn't really doing what she said I was just like yeah and I guess the other reason I wanted to to talk to you about this is the human voice is one of those amazing things that no two people have the same voice you know and that certain voices they don't even have to be saying anything particularly entrancing or I used I remember I had a social science teacher who used to put me in a trance and he was really boring (laughs) and social science is boring but his voice just—it gave me this hum in the, yeah, in yeah. the back of my head, and every yeah. now and again, you'll meet someone that has a voice like this. Yeah, you hear them on headphones, and they're really talking softly. Soft talking does this. Yes, yeah. It's one of those truly magical aesthetic factors yeah. in existence. I just find it so amazing, and um, I've I've often thought of this like doing you could do some sort of program where you just literally talking to p- find people and the whole premise of your interview is to just to listen to their voice <laughs> so they're going to get it's going to be complete strangers if you just as you travel the world you go, oh can i just talk to you you have a really amazing voice would you be interested in doing a podcast called voices and it's like you talk about you remember that old sbs show called vox pop Oh yeah, and that guy used, was amazing years ago, and he used to just walk up to people, to, people on the street, to people on the street, and they the most amazing was, stories of complete strangers. Cool yeah, was that in Melbourne? Yeah, was it was. Yeah, and they'd open the way people. This classic thing of Australians. Um, Australians are, I think, in if you compare them to other people around the world and other cultures, very reticent to open up initially, mm. Mm. and very willing to open up completely later on. Once mm. once the floodgates have been opened, mm. they just we're actually. In a sense, as a culture, we pride ourselves on being really friendly and being really open. Mm. I actually, I think we're actually quite an insular culture. Yeah, we take a while to open up. We're a little bit mistrusting of strangers. Yeah, yeah. The classic scenario I always use is this: if you're if you're in Europe and you walk into a restaurant and there's two seats at a big communal table, you just take them. Yeah, you know, and you sit yeah. there next to strangers. If that's in Australia, people will go, well, let's go to another restaurant. We can't yeah, find yeah. our own space. Same, yeah, thing yeah. On, same thing on beaches. Like I, I yeah. live up in Byron. And you can always tell the Europeans because they're like right next to complete yeah, strangers yeah. on the beach. They don't care. Yeah. Aussies want their own patch. Probably yeah. would prefer their own beach with yeah, no yeah, one on totally, it. So yeah. there's a psychology in our, in our psyche yeah, that's grown up with this massive personal space. space. And yeah. we all completely... Um, Somehow it's affected us. Yeah, like, I'm not saying we're not we're not an antisocial culture. We are social, but it takes a while for us to warm up. Yeah, like I, if you I if you culturally to, though, there are certain things about the uh, that probably are born from the fact that you know um, the well white the white version of Australian culture anyway yeah. is still only a couple hundred years old. And yeah. but in that one thing that I noticed being in Europe years and years ago was that it was pretty much considered it was considered rude to walk into a shop and not greet say hello yeah to the shopkeeper yeah. when you enter the shop whatever mm. whereas in australia i mean that's no. just not a thing no it? i no. mean and oh, if, sometimes i'll say yes another way and if it, no but but it's not like a, a kind of no. social rule and if you went to america or canada it would be the shopkeeper coming to greet you with yeah, a really yeah. big overwhelming yeah. Like, welcome to the yeah, store. Yeah, yeah. Is there anything I can help you with, sir? Yeah, and I yeah. can, you just, it's a little bit, you get taken aback. You yeah. know? <laughs> and I think, like, I went to this um, 
this thing at the National Gallery today and it's a, like a book fair of art, art books and stuff and there's all these publishers and little booths all around. It's packed. And every booth has got some two people, often just young like artists or people who work for their book company. Right. And they're sitting there and there's this weird, strange thing if you walk up and you're looking at the books and if you haven't said hello straight away, it's a, there's a bit of an uncomfortable eye contact. Yeah, right, okay. Do I say hello? Do I not say hello? <laughs> Are they going to wait for me to say hello? Or yeah. should I say hello? Or maybe they'll say hello to me. Or yeah. is it important to say hello? And the longer you let it go, the less chance you it's have, have. Yeah. Of, of interacting. Yeah, yeah. So and it's the same for a stranger on the, on the, on the street. Let, let's, yeah. say, let's say you're a young guy and you, you see someone, boy or girl, that you want to talk to. If you go straight up to them and go, hey, how's it going? Good chance that you'll have a good conversation. If you wait, the longer that you wait, the more weird the, yeah, the yeah. vibe becomes to the point where you'll come across as a weirdo. Kind or, of creepy. And, <laughs> and more than likely, it won't, you won't even have the guts to do it in the first place. So there's this sort of, which we, I don't know, I don't know if it's an Australian thing, but it's, um, I know I know a few English guys, Northern Englanders, and just not like that at all. They just go yeah, straight up, yeah. hey, what's going on, mate? Yeah. Hey, yeah. it's all right. Oh, you know, I'm from here, and you know, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah. I think we're, I think we're, or maybe it's the introvert in me, constantly fighting against that nature of feeling uncomfortable. Yeah. And this yeah. is weird. I, I'm comfortable with um, going on stage in front of twenty thousand people and rocking the yeah, house because that's just like one giant yeah, human yeah. that wants to party. Yeah, yeah. But if you play a tiny gig in front of ten people, it's yeah. just utterly nerve wracking. Yeah, it's just yeah. A totally it's different. Just, in, yeah. So or yeah. walking into a party. Oh, and God. then it's like, oh, uh, oh hello, Especially, I haven't said hello to you. Oh, oh, bump the glass. Oh, sorry, <laughs> bump this person's head. Like, I'm really... Yeah, yeah. And I, I looked up my personality trait in a, in a survey a while ago, and I'm in, introvert, extrovert. Yeah, so in I some ways, I'm a really big personality. Yeah. In other ways, I'm completely... So maybe there's something in our performer existence yeah, that, yeah. that fosters that, or maybe that's the performers generally come from that type of personality. Yeah, I think going exactly the same, I'm always you know, seem to be battling those two sides, you know, exactly like you say. I mean, being on stage often feels like the most comfortable, most yeah. safe, most natural place in yeah. the world. And um, I can walk up on stage in front of a room, whether it's a, like you say, a really big festival thing, or even if it's like a small room, you know, mm. playing like a, a, a solid gig or whatever, yeah. and it might only be 50 people in the room, whatever. Yeah. Um, 50 strangers. Yeah. I can walk up and feel the most confident, most secure yeah. person in the world and strive, and basically be the, be the most confident person in the room. Yeah. But put me like amongst, like when it, going in to drop my kids off at kindy or whatever, oh. and there are all the other parents and stuff around, I'm terrified yeah. of talking to anyone. Yeah. And if yeah. somebody does struggle for a conversation, I've got, no, like, yeah. I'm awkward. So yeah. what, well, how did that just doesn't... And you, and you don't and want to be that guy, oh, rock star, right? I don't want to talk to us. And that just, yeah, but that just feeds yeah. my own paranoia. No. Like, oh, no, I'm, what, how are they, what are they thinking yeah. of? What's perception? I totally What agree. perception am I giving out? Um, and it's such a weird kind of, I don't understand why that is, why it is like that. And, and I, so I sure as hell know that other people would probably find it quite confusing as well. I think one of the reasons is the the psychological construct of what the stage is. Like mm. in speaking in psychological terms, a stage is it's like um, it's like a doorway to a, to another place where most people who are really comfortable in this situ- drop off their kids, the king of the world. Like they talk to everyone. They mm. that's normal people. <laughs> 
that yeah. artists are not normal people. We're, we're abnormal. <laughs> yeah. It's one of the reasons we were drawn to this yeah, crazy yeah. world, yeah. which is folks listening. It's a really weird world because it's a very, it's the most up and down existence mm. in some ways that you can live. Mm. Work-wise, it's full of um, successes and failures. Yeah. Most people like an even life. I mean, everyone who works and has, has, a, has to work for a living and has kids and you know, lives and loves and has loss, they struggle. Everyone has an up and down life. But being an artist, you actually choose to be that way yeah, in a yeah. sense. You don't, lo- you don't log on every, every morning at the same job yeah. and you don't have a consistent income the same yeah. thing every year. Even when you're kicking ass and you're making heaps of money, you still got an, one eye on the fact that it could all be over in five totally, minutes. Yeah. Whereas with most jobs, if you do your job well, and you're not someone doesn't fuck you over. You're actually yeah. you'll be okay. Yeah. And that's also the way that the banking system operates with terms of giving loans to people and in order to get investments and build for the future for their families as they get old and all that shit. So there's something about the stage which I believe for artists is a safety zone. Yeah. For for most people, right. it freaks out. How many times have you got people up at a gig? Come on, come up and get in. They go, oh, yeah, yeah. where are you going? I mm-hmm. know, uh, yeah. Oh, and you're just I like, like, oh, it's it's I like get up to sing. I've had this heaps of times yeah. where people, so, you know, someone invited people to come up and sing a song. Like, Who knows this song? Yeah, yeah. So choose the most confident looking person and say, yeah, come up. You know the song? Yeah, I know all the lyrics. My favorite song, whatever. And I'll start playing the song. And almost every time, whoever it is, well, as I'm start playing, we'll come whispering in my ear and say, can you just give me the first line? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because it's that stage fright, yeah, you know? Yeah. And, and, and they feel lined, like... They're frozen. You know? They also feel like... And this is, I think, talking about Australian audiences, they feel a little bit like they, they shouldn't be there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I don't want to come across like I actually think I should be here. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas for us, and this, it's not, not feeling... It's not an arrogant... It's a, you feel like this is where you belong. Yeah, yeah. There's a sense of belonging. Yeah. Like if you're a footy player and you walk out onto the onto the field, or if yeah. you're playing any sort of sport, you, the pitch that's a similar sort of mentality to a stage, yeah. and it's like, oh, I feel comfortable here. I know what I'm doing, yeah. and it's somehow I feel exactly the same way. It's like you. Not only do you feel comfortable, it's like fun. It's yeah, like, yeah. oh, there's no place I'd rather be yeah, in yeah, some ways. Yeah. You know, if you look at existence in some ways as a um, continuum of counterpoint, so you're always doing the opposite thing to the thing that you're uncomfortable with. It's going to be mm-hmm. the thing that you're good at you know? yeah I've, i always felt it weird when that started to change because initially when you first start playing shows i used to get really nervous and yeah. just put my head down yeah also be really fu- fully really competitive and wanting to just perform the best i could and if we didn't play well i was really shitty and ev- yeah. eventually that disappeared and was yeah. replaced by a much more positive um, approach and yeah, just yeah. trying to have fun and there's yeah. no mistake is that bad yeah because yeah. the overall performance is one of just goodwill and fun and let's just kick ass and it just completely changed my psyche my mentality about performing it's like Mm. oh I can having a good time is actually better for your performance than trying to be totally trying to just fight against something yeah absolutely you know and it was a great revelation I thank god now I look forward to gigs in a way for the I mean we played a show last night and just standing up and talking to the audience is just a fun thing I never used to be able to do that like I just like oh yeah, all that silence between songs is like oh, tuning this and waiting yeah. for the next song. You know, as no, it's like you know, watching when we were doing a down the green tour last mm. year, watching guys play and seeing how often you'd like come up. Like I don't think I've seen a drummer in any other band like move around, <clears throat> move around the stage as much as you do. Yeah, no, uh, like come up to the front and address the audience and stuff. Yeah. It's like and yeah, like the crowd were just. You know, they like that. The palm of your hand. Uh, <laughs> no, it's <laughs> so much fun. It's really fun. No, it it, it also 
Um, I like playing big stages because there's so much air. So you do, it, drums is pretty intense and sometimes mm. you just want to get up and just walk away and just, yeah, have, a, right. just have a walk around. Yeah, Plus yeah. it's nice to be able to do all those things that you wouldn't, you didn't really have the, the courage to do years ago. Yeah. And that is just walk around on stage and <laughs> thousands of people going, what the fuck is he doing? Yeah, like, yeah, totally. Aren't we here to see music? And yeah. it's like... <laughs> Audiences really like that. I love that in a, if I'm in an audience and see just a, an artist just like being yeah. totally relaxed yeah, yeah, and yeah, just yeah. walk around. And the other thing it does is it kind of builds anticipation, not just for the audience, but for yourself as well. So when yeah. you go back, it's like you're whole fresh again. Yeah. You're back on the kit. You, you yeah. sort of feel like you're stuck there. That's yeah. why I sometimes if we play a small pub show, I do miss that. I like being able to move around yeah, yeah. or run around or do whatever. And it's not necessarily jumping around or dancing. It's just yeah. literally just wandering yeah, around. Yeah. So um, I want to talk about um, the stuff that you're doing at the moment because Spider Man are on tour at the moment. You're playing uh, I've Been the Big Apples. Well, it's the this year's it's the 20th anniversary of this record I've Been the Big Apples that we released, and it's also the the 20th anniversary of Buy Me a Pony winning the Hottest 100. Oh, so yeah, it's yeah. a bit of a you know, which is a bit of a feather in our cap, having yeah. the first Australian That's song right. ever to win yeah, it yeah. and all that. So. Of course, I'm telling, saying that every night. You know, <laughs> everyone's like, "Yo!" But um, you know, why not? Um, and it's so we decided to celebrate the record, which is such a massive record for us, not just for sales, and it sort of transformed us into a massive band. It was, yeah. it was the it was the record that changed us from being a kind of, you know, a good, you know, indie punk pop rock band or whatever yeah. to being this huge Australian act. Yeah, and um. So we decided we were going to do the record in its entirety. So what we're doing is, and I know you and I have done this before yeah. and a few other bands, um, I think Living End did it. And so you play the whole record from start to finish as it, as it is on the CD or on the, yeah. on the LP. So that has been kind of weird because um, some of the songs, like Buy Me Pony and Calypso, are in like the first five songs. We're yes. used to finishing our set yeah, with these yeah. big hits. You yeah, know? yeah. So it's like, oh, fuck, this is kind of weird. Like, and then there's all this really full-on metal stuff towards the end, which is just killing me. Yeah, yeah. I'm just like, oh, this is like a <laughs> But um, as, as we go along, it's, it's been really beautiful. Like there's one song going off, which is um, going down so well, which is just um, me and Whit playing acoustics and Janet singing. It's a really short song. Oh, just yeah. little, and there's a few things that have backing tracks that, have, um, that Whit produced. Sort of playing all those a bit more anomalous songs and pieces of music that kind of make the record up it's been really mm. interesting and also because the the way the record is structured and it meanders in a different kind of way than a <laughs> yeah. regular set would because yeah. our sets generally we start strong and then just gets bigger as yeah, we go yeah, along yeah, yeah. so by the end it's like people just tearing out yeah. pieces of their yeah. chairs and shit whereas this set it has a lot more up and down so yeah, it's, yeah. it's just getting used to going against the machinations of what you would normally, yeah. how you would normally do. I know you, when you were saying that about when you did the the Josh Pike thing yeah. and having to learn someone else's material and yeah. just how difficult it was in some ways having to do what isn't necessarily come naturally because yes. our yeah. our bands have always had a real really great kinship in the sense that we we're both really relaxed. There's an element of like this yeah, is yeah. fucking fun. Let's yeah, have a yeah, good time. Yeah, it's yeah. not. It's never any stress. Yeah. You know. I mean, you feel stresses. You want your gigs to do well and all that, but. There's an element of just trying to make the set be effortless and mm. be having a good vibe about it. Yeah. And sometimes when you play something that isn't an, a regular set, it's just you have to kind of adjust yourself totally. a little bit. So yeah, the yeah. first the first show um, a few weeks ago, so we've done 
tonight is the fourth show out of six in Melbourne. And the first show was kind of weird. It was, I yeah, mean, it was yeah. great. It went, went, it went nuts, but it just felt yeah. strange. Yeah. I'm so used to getting up for this particular performance and yeah. having to just change the orientation. So, yeah, yeah. But it's been a, it's been a good challenge, I guess, and it's been received so well. Like it's it's heaps bigger than the original Ivy tour yeah. was in yeah. back in 1997 or yeah, whatever yeah. it was. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. Crazy. Um, Jeff and I did um, two. Um, was it two years ago now? We did our 20th anniversary tour. So did um, you guys do that record what, as well? So what we did was we played we played two sets. So we'd go, go on and play it for an hour, just sort of, you know, songs from 99 to the present. Yeah. Um, from across all the different records and tried to kind of do some stuff that people, that we hadn't played for a while. Then we'd go off for like 20 minutes and then come back on and then we played slightly odd way from beginning to end. Holy that shit. was about an hour. There was so much about that tour that was really weird. And same thing but for us. Like the first song is like is Leaving Home. Uh, the third song is Harpoon. So the two sort of most well-known songs in that record yeah. happened in the first three yeah. songs. Yeah. And, then, and there was a song on that record called Twilight Equals Dusk, which is not a good song at all. And oh, you had, what, you had a clanger on there? And it's, it's, uh, it's just... It's, it's just, it just it goes it's it's too slow it goes on for too long oh, it's like it. the melody is fucking really boring <laughs> it's like and I just I listen back and I, was, and I know that we had better songs than that to put on the record but the yeah. thing is we were all really young we'd never made a record before yeah. and we were trying to make an artistic kind of decision about, yeah. yeah you know like we need something that's like a different mood you know yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. but as it turns out you know sometimes like just going with your best songs is the best thing yeah. to do. Like, yeah. Um, yeah. As, because this song is really shit. So we've never played it live ever at all, and um, until this tour, and we, you know, and then we had to play it every night, and we had to kind of figure out how we were going to play it and present it in a way that um, so that it felt good, you know, because yeah. we couldn't get to that song and all look at each other. Oh, here we go. The yeah, song. yeah. Or no, say to the crowd, oh, we hate this song. Yeah, no, you've got to play it. You've got to bring it. Yeah. So totally. it's got to be, it's got to have this, it's yeah. got to have at least the same kind of uh, energy and, and commitment. Or at the, ver- at the very least, it has to go by unnoticed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, and that was really hard. Yeah. So do, were there any songs for you on that record that you'd never ever mm. played live before? Heaps of them. Yeah, the yeah. stacks of them we'll never have. And <laughs> How many songs are on that record too? Are there heaps? There's like... I've actually got it. Hold on. Let me have a look. Because, yeah, I know some of your records, like, you know, get up to like 16, 17 songs. Okay, so starts with Chest Hair, which is... Which was one of our massive festival songs. We just one day stopped playing it, and we hadn't played it for years, and we actually forgot about it. This yeah. is like, this is what we're like. It's like, yeah. and then when we just before we started the day on the green, because we we hadn't announced it yet, it was all secretive that we we're going to do this Ivy tour. And at the first show in what was the first gig? Was that Newcastle? Uh, Hunter Valley. Yeah, 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 which was massive. Remember yeah. there was bushfires. I know it was, it was amazing. It was the windiest. Oh, I've got some gig great photos. Experience. It was, it was sick. It was went nuts. And then we're like, oh, we're gonna have to learn. We should. Why aren't we playing that song anymore? It's yeah. like, and we played it. We ha- we rehearsed it maybe once, <laughs> and it went nuts. And yeah, it's yeah. like, oh, sorry, forgot about you. It's like having yeah, this old, yeah. old friend that you just kept in a box. And for it's the years. opening song. Though, opening song. Wow. Chester. So yeah. So then we do hot water and milk. Buy me a pony. 
Um, and then there's this this song called When Fusion Ruled the Earth, which we had never played. We said we had, but I don't remember it. And that's like a nine-minute instrumental oh where Janet God. plays guitar. Wow. And it's just weird as, but oh it's going God. crazy. Yeah. Everyone's loving it. <laughs> then it, then Calypso, awesome. and so it's Calypso. So that's it. And it's like pretty yeah. much the rest is just going off we've never played before, which is the acoustic one. That's yeah. really been great. Don't Kill Nipper we'd never played. Horseshack Army we'd never played we wow. played Conjunctivitis Joyce's Heart we'd never played so Wit's now sung it three times in his life live which is the three shows wow. never played Jasper oh we played played Jasper we might have we'd done Gush um, because we did this when the record came out the ABC gave us a prime time special we played the record like who does oh, that now yeah I remember that. yeah like Wasn't it was 7 30 p.m on a Friday night and it's us with this audience playing the whole that. and we played a lot of this record I think then. you and I did got the same thing with uh, Ali Daly yeah Ali and Ali it's like who does that now in like, their old recovery studio yeah. yeah we'll talk about that in a sec yeah. anyway so some of these songs should have done what my mum told me to do never done that hey we might have played Hawaiian Nights I might I don't think we've ever played that's got this weird piano sample on the end and Driving Up the Ceilings, the last song, which I don't think we might, I don't think we'd ever played that. So pretty much most of the wow. record we had never played. And then we're doing the two secret tracks as well. Yeah. Which is... Um, which <laughs> so is, nutty, isn't it? When it's, 16 songs. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. We've got 17 secret tracks as well, just in case you weren't sick of it, if you want to listen to some more. It's just, and, it's um, and and there's even, I think there's another 15 B-sides which never made it. We a lot of, made a lot of songs. But, um, and so I think some people don't know that the secret tracks, so it's a little bit yeah. like, I'm just saying that we want to play these. So last night they were kind of like, what's this? It's like, oh, these are on the record. So it's yeah. more for the purists, I think. But um, yeah, it's been trippy. Just some of them learning, for me, learning some of these drum parts. Like I played some songs in a certain way that I don't really play Play-ing so much more. anymore. Yeah. So there's this one beat that's in about four of the songs that yeah, I just right. have to... It's hard to sing and play it, but I had to really work, and I'm I'm, I'm on it now. But yeah, yeah. at first, it's like, oh, how am I going to play that? Don't kill Nipper is such a brutal song. It's like <laughs> I'm not 20 anymore, you know. Like that. so, yeah. I've got to really kind of just find my inner demon and just rip rip it to shreds, you know, and then have a nice long rest. Walk around the stage, like you're saying. For so, a bit. how long does it does the set go for? Ah, uh, this would be. A lot of these songs are some of these songs are under under one and two minutes, so they're really short. Uh, yeah, so course, it's yeah. probably about an hour and a half, I yeah, think. Yeah. And then we do we're doing an encore of various other songs of ours. Yeah, yeah. So we kind of did the, we've done the same thing you guys did, but in the opposite way around. Yeah, yeah. Without they, the intermission. Yeah, we thought if we played slightly over from start to finish first, and then came back on it, did all our other songs that it might yeah. not it might just people I don't know it might just not quite have the uh, oh, trajectory no, of the night that we. Yeah, no, that sounds perfect though. <laughs> doing it that way. Um, can we talk a little bit about um, your backstory, like, you know, where you grew up and yep. your family and like, um, you know, the kind of, what, what kind of music was around when you were growing up? Okay, well, um, all three of us come from this town called Finlay, which is in the Riverina, about three hours north of Melbourne, um, just on one of those border towns on the Murray. Yeah. And the Riverina is famous for being very flat, lots of farms, and lots and lots of footy players and sport. So we yeah. grew up playing lots of sport. Yeah. You know, um, I played footy for New South Wales. I was all like into footy massively. Janet yeah. was a state um, hockey player. Yeah. Whit was an amazing footy player as well. Like the whole, all the families, 
everyone goes to the football on the weekends and the yeah. hockey, which you hate footy, and she hates footy, <laughs> which is that's the truth in that song of ours. Footy. Yeah, yeah. Janet can't stand it, but she likes it now because there's women's footy at last. Yes. So she's like, thank that God. So we're going to play the Community Cup this year after yeah. they've, been pl- they've been asking us to play for years. Um, and so it was very much a small town existence. I can remember, you know, in the summer you go to the swimming pool and you wear like mirrored sunglasses yeah. with, and then you have like pink singlet and you just hang out there and watch fights you know like, like in the early days there were fights at the swimming pool and you're getting horribly sunburned did everybody like, like crowd around and go fight yeah, yeah fight. it was always the same always the same dudes always the same dudes fighting for everyone's entertainment oh, a bit like the the, the riverina equivalent of bullfighting yeah you know? um and everyone got horribly sunburned every summer yeah. You know, we all grew up listening to, and I I bought all these records recently, but we all loved those 80s compilation records, Australian yeah, yeah. Co- which are, are great albums. They're fucking awesome. All started with like 1980, The Sound, and I think right. they went up to about 1985. So I think oh, no, like, they kept going up. Yeah, five, after like, that, they kind of went a bit 85 crappy. was when we first started. Yeah, you started, started yeah, yeah, yeah. 85 no. right on track. Yeah, no, I bought, I've got, I bought the whole lot from this, this bargain <laughs> bin record shop in the Gold Coast. I play them all the time. Yeah, yeah. And there's, that's where I and first heard these, a lot of songs and yeah. not necessarily knew who the band was yeah. like two years later it's yeah. like oh shit that's I know that in excess song from yeah, the fucking yeah. compilation I know trailer. exactly <laughs> and it's know. weird because we never really listened to albums initially because we were all fans of Countdown we loved the commercial radio and none of us had ever heard any Triple R or well, any, anything how, alternative. Well, how could you? I mean, no, in that area, like it, it just didn't exist. Gone? No, yeah. so and you'd, you'd go. I remember I bought my first record in, um, I think it was nineteen eighty-one. Yeah, and I went, and the only place you could buy records in Finley were cassettes at yeah. the local BP. Wow. It was nineteen eighty one Hitwave. Hitwave eighty one. Oh, still got it. Hitwave eighty one. And it's got some it's got some it's got Visage, um, Fade to Grey on it, which is a fantastic song. Yeah, really yeah. like that. It's got some clangers as well. It's got Shaken Stevens on it, you know. Oh yeah, but um Stevens. but it's it's weird. I was thinking about this. Um I think these records in this era really helped to formulate mine and our vision to create music ourselves yeah. in the sense that one of the things that we have whenever we make records and it's getting more extreme the longer we go is, is variation so we have yeah. all these like okay we're doing an acoustic song now so next is going to be a dance track then we'll do a heavy metal song yeah, yeah. then we'll do a pop track then we'll do yeah. a punk rock yeah. then we'll try and write a stadium rock hit you know it's like and you vary it so much yeah. and that's the way we grew up listening to so yeah, it was like yeah. it would start with like ACDC and then it would move into like Mike Oldfield and then it would go into like um, the Divinals and then there'd be like Yazoo and then it'd yeah. be Tepeche Mode and yeah, like yeah. you loved all these types of music so you, yeah. you grew up listening to all this stuff and loving everything equally I love yeah. country music I love electro I love rock and yeah. we, we didn't grow up being like Ramones kids cool yeah, New Yorkers yeah, yeah. or and um, you sort of you also didn't take yourself too seriously in a way it wasn't yeah. you sort of weren't in that indie scene too early which can sort sure. of stifle your I don't know Indie scene can be you can be a little bit too cool for school, yeah, too young. Yeah, yeah I, know, I know kids from Surrey Hills and you oh, know kids yeah. from Carlton and stuff, and so they wouldn't be caught dead. Yeah, yeah. Being goofy and listening to, yeah. And we've always just been goofballs. It's half yeah. of our, and we take not being seriously very seriously. Yes. you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but also it just they just made for great records and all the yeah. best ones like eighty one over the top is really good. <laughs> 83 <laughs> summer breaks fantastic the reason that they're breaks. good is they've got great order yeah yeah so we i think we learned 
and I learned the the idea behind making good order of an album, and also for the other from the other band from the Beatles. Because if you listen to Help, yeah. or actually no, if you listen to to Revolver, yeah. it sounds like one of those compilation records, but it's all yeah, from the yeah. same band. Yeah. So it's like it's like Eleanor Rigby, and then it goes to Tomorrow Never Knows, and this this is amazing shape yeah. to the way they put the record together. Yeah. And also just that the beauty of pop music, there's something I've always loved about pop music and there's that anything goes. It can be shut up, shut up your face by Joe Dolce. You know, <laughs> it can be born slippy. It can be, you know, yeah. it, it's the, the extremities of, of musical styles, pop in a lot of ways is the most unprejudiced form mm. of music because anything that's popular is by well, its orientation yeah, pop. Yeah. If this song's a big hit, even if it's sung in Korean, we're yeah. playing it, yeah, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. And that's the beauty of the of the genre that I love. It's it's only really if it's popular, then it's on one of those records. So yeah. all of those records, there's a great song by PhD which I love called "I Won't Let You Down," which I always loved. And it was always the last song on one of these records, and yeah. I always get really sentimental at yeah, the yeah. end of it. Yeah. And I always thought if that wasn't last, maybe I wouldn't feel the same way. Yeah, you know, right. Jonah Louise Louise was one of my favorite all time songs. Yeah. Is on one of those records. So whenever we've programmed Rage, which we've num- we've now done five times, yeah. so we're, we're second only. We found out because we did this Rage thing last week. Yeah, we're second only to Perco in the Rage programming. Perco, um, Tex, Tex Perkins. Yeah, Tex right. is the only guy, uh, the guy who's done it more times than us. It's like no way. So every time we did it, we would just hark back to those records. So it, honestly, yeah. we would, and when we listened to. The last, not this tour so much, last tour we did, we just played heaps of stuff of that 80s thing. So that real 80s, fun, colourful. Yeah. But then later on, I started getting into my dad's old 70s record collection and I can I remember listening to Black Sabbath for the first time. And that was a complete first Black Sabbath album. And it had been sitting in my... My dad died when I was really young, so all I had of him was his record collection. Wow. And my mum remarried. Shame's really awesome. And... Um, but my dad, John, he had this record collection and it was just it was Led Zeppelin, Rolling Stones, right. um, Black Sabbath, like the all this heaps and heaps rock. of John Mayall, really rare John Mayall records. And I have I have images and of when we were really little and him and his mates just all boozing on and fagging on, smoking weed and listening to blues and yeah, playing yeah, yeah. blues and it was all that real... Because Australia in the 70s was rough, loose, yeah. crazy. You know, if any, if any of you have ever seen Stone... Or any of those seventies Australian movies. Yeah. That's really what it was like. Yeah, you know? yeah. There's that great song um, by Spectrum. Oh, what's it called? Someday I'll have money. Money is. I'll be gone. I'll be gone. Yeah. And that's that Billy Thorpe and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, and but I'd I'd seen this Black Sabbath record and I was scared of it. And if 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 you've ever seen the cover of the first Black Sabbath album, it's this field. And this weird woman who the kind of a green face and black hair, and uh, she's like a witch. And oh, it's yeah, really okay, scary. Yeah, yeah, it's like, that whoa, one. that's scary. Yeah, yeah. And I, I had defaced the cover as a kid and tried because I was so scared of it. Just I'd never of... listened to it. Yeah. Then I put it on when I was older and I was a teenager after I got into pop music and rock and roll, and the record blew my mind. Like yeah, it was. Yeah. And I'd already heard ACDC by then. I loved ACDC because ACDC kind of, for me, were a pop band, even though they were a rock and roll band. Yeah. But th- their songs were so popular, so yeah, they're pop, yeah, you know. Yeah. And Black Sabbath, the, the, the first song in that record, What is this that stands before <laughs> me? Dun, dun, dun. I'm just like, oh, this is... And it completely changed, so how, changed me. How old do you reckon you would have been? Oh, maybe 15. Maybe yeah, 15 yeah, or 16. Yeah. 
And um, then me and Wit started playing, and we both loved that stuff. And we yeah, just wanted yeah. to play that sort of that sort of shit. Yeah. And then I I realized that 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 record was was made in the year I was born, and I'm just thinking. Who in 1969 was doing that? And there's these four geezers in Birmingham yeah. creating, it is creating a genre. Yeah, it's amazing. And it's that. still a fantastic album. I have it in the car all the time. And that song is still, for me, one of the greatest heavy metal songs yeah. ever written. Because it's so scary. Yeah. And it's just that, that, that a bunch of guys in a room, one guy playing a Marshall or a high watt bass, mm. drums, and one vocalist, can create such atmosphere. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So in a way, that also drew me into music because music's one of those art forms that anyone can do it and especially if you get that great group of friends things which I know yeah. we both our bands have having the the magic of having original lineups yeah. still playing yeah. which is not always the case people yeah. people sadly you know some some people die some people move on and yeah. there's or there's fractured relationships yeah. people don't want to play together yeah. have your original lineup remember that that time I think we were backstage in, in Adelaide on the Down the Green tour and we checked out those photos and I showed you those photos. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I didn't even... Your brother didn't even look like him. So that's me, man. That's me. Yeah. And um, so... Oh, sorry, Brett. But it's, but, and it's just magic to see that, to have to have this journey with the same group of people yeah. is really cool. Yeah. And so something drew us in to music because it was accessible, but also because you can create so much with so little. Yeah. Like, I could never be a filmmaker. It's just too much shit. Yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Too many relationships, too much. I love film, and but like a mate of mine's a director, and I'm like, I just don't know how you do it. All yeah, these yeah. things, all these people, all these things you have to do. Yeah. There's something really autocratic in, yeah, a, yeah. In, a, in a positive sense about music. All you yeah. do is turn up, plug in, and off you go. Yeah. Like And look, there's no greater example of that than acoustic, because that... Much, much later in my life, and I thought this is a reference to your work, solo, I discovered Bob Dylan, and that was yeah. that was a really late one. And yeah, I just, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, the record was The Times Were Changing, and it's yeah. just like, there's so much power in this, this one guy playing mm. guitar. Yeah. And his voice, and I started writing all these Dylan type of acoustic yeah, yeah. songs just for my own pleasure, and it just, that was the other, because it, by that stage I'd already had, the only thing that can compare with the... Yeah, is the dead quiet, the complete silence yeah, yeah. of an acoustic show where yeah, everyone's, yeah. everyone's transfixed. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, and I did this. It's a, yeah, that's such a yeah awesome because it's the yin and yang of those yeah, two elements. And, both, and so like powerful. I, I had this when um you know the APRA awards when you you get up and do other people's oh, yeah, songs. Yeah. So I did that at the APRA awards maybe two or three years ago when I did Lonnie Lane's song. Yeah, yeah I saw that. Yeah, yeah, and I did. Yeah, I remember we would. Oh, yeah, we both had good acoustic oh, yeah. backstage. Oh, yeah, yeah. and it's one of my favorite performances yeah. of all time. It was yeah. like the whole place was completely yeah. silent. So if you played a rock and roll show, you'd be like, oh shit, everyone's quiet. This exactly. Is weird. But acoustic is what you want because exactly. the shows are paying attention, and you, and you yeah. get into all these really tiny machinations of. Yes. Especially if you're playing nylon. It's just so the sound of your voice, the way you are in the song, the the sound of the guitar, yeah. the sound of silence. It's just it's yeah. so magical, and it's the only thing I've ever equated to um, with the the huge sound of a of a of a splendor crowd yeah, or totally. a big day out. Absolutely. Is that yeah, absolutely. Know? So I guess I've come full circle. I still love like tonight's going to be full on. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'd love to try and do that acoustic thing live again because I, yeah. I, I never sort of pursued it. So I like I like that something that you've done because in kind of you you also play in this full on heavy band. Yeah, but maybe that was something that it, 
subconsciously pushed you in that direction too is the juxtaposition of the it's two. only in recent years that i've been able to where where things have balanced out and i've been able to do both at the same time yeah i mean like when i because i first started doing this solo stuff in the early years of jebs you know yeah when jebs was sort of really popular and um which is why you know i gave myself a name and all that kind of stuff yeah yeah called, called i was doing it for years before i made a record and i the first record that i made was put out on our own label and you know no it didn't get played on the radio and yeah. many people bought it um so and then it was the second record where that all changed and by that, that but by the time that record came out jebs had stopped mm. we'd t- we're taking a break we've been going for 10 years and yeah. taking a break and so i just really concentrated on, on the bob evans stuff and jebs didn't really do a huge amount and then so it was only really in like the last well in this sort of decade or like the towards the beginning of this decade it's only really been since then where the two things have both been kind of operating in tandem yeah yeah i think it's which is great you know it feels really good it yeah. feels like my kind of musical life is in balance yeah um but yeah it kind of took a long long time to be able to do that it's it was, it's also good to have um when you're in a band, especially if you're in a big band, it's like all of your creativity is funneled into one yeah. energy, one thing. What what often happens is if you're the dominant person in the band, you, you'll try and put all of, get all of your material through the band, mm. and in retrospect, you look back and go, oh, actually, that those three or four songs, they were not Spiderbat songs, or they were not Jeb songs, yeah, yeah. they are solo songs. So, yeah. and then as you get older, I think you get better at. For yeah. me, separating those things into different projects, yeah, and just let the recognizing that the band has a sound, yeah. and that you have a sound, and it's yeah. actually okay to do both, yeah. and it's just so freeing, not for you, not just for you, mm. but for your band as well. Yeah, there's this always that pressure of having so much material and trying to get it all on one record. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, you generally make the right choices if if whatever the songs are the best, regardless if you if you know they're precious to you unless you're making your first record and you decide to twilight yeah yeah, exactly it's a good idea yeah exactly (laughs) we put 16 songs and then in 17 17 secret (laughs) but um no the yeah I reckon that's one of the best things about getting older as a as a musician or an artist is being able to get lots of different things going on because you get asked Mm. to do stuff you get asked to do tribute things you get asked to play with different people um and if you're lucky enough for your original band to keep going and everyone to be happy yeah. in each other's company and enjoy it, that's a real rock of Gibraltar for you. You can, yeah. just got this real rock yeah. and everything else can revolve around that. But if, if you know if everyone decided to call it a day, you've got lots of other avenues yeah. that you can go down because you're essentially an artist for life. It's a very hard thing yeah. to quit. Totally, yeah. It's impossible. You I was doing an interview today. Nobody ever quits because it's yeah. part of who you are. You know? I was doing an interview today with a, and a um, girl who's talking to me. It's like, um, you know, do you think you'll still be doing this in another 10 years? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. Well, that'll but, come around like that. <laughs> but, yeah, exactly. But, I know, but then I said, but if, if you'd have asked me that question when I was starting out no way I probably would have been like yeah I, I, I doubt it and yeah. I know like there's a because I've read an interview that I did with Juice Magazine when Jebs was sort of doing her first record so yeah. I would have been like just turned 20 yeah and um, and I said in this interview oh you know I reckon that you know this is just like this is just like a, an opportunity to have heaps of fun in my 20s and yeah. it'll by the time I'm 30, it'll probably all be over. Yeah. That's what I thought. I yeah. couldn't imagine anything going past 30. Yeah. Now it's like, I, why would I ever stop? Like, yeah. what reason would there be to retire when this is like, no. what, how do you retire well, but, from... But I also think it's one of those, 
it's one of those things that getting back to the Australian culture. I'm not sure if this is the case in other places. America is very much a culture about winning and it, mm. they celebrate success more than we do. We're a bit more self-deprecating about success, kind of mm, don't want to talk about it. Yeah. Almost a bit embarrassed by it. Yeah. In Australia, this sort of feeling that, oh, no, it couldn't possibly last because it's too much fun or it's too good yeah, or, yeah, or, yeah. or something will go wrong or I'll get a real job one day. Like I still get people, this is a classic, I'm going to do an impression <laughs> here. <laughs> and it's often people who've known you for years yeah, or, yeah. and they get this like so so you're still enjoying it Cram <laughs> reckon, you, reckon you'll keep on doing it you know and it's like fuck dickhead I've been doing this for nearly 30 years gonna, like, I mean, no, no disrespect to you but it's just such a weird question yeah. and the way it's it's the comedic the, the, yeah. the question itself it's yeah. like you know it's basically the same thing that you were getting asked when you were 18. It's like, so when are you going to get a real job? Yeah, you know, it's oh, like, totally. I would get that and it's Yeah, and it's just like, no. If you, I think if you were French, you wouldn't be getting asked that question. Yeah. And if you were American and you were still successful, because it's really based on success in the US, yeah. you wouldn't be getting asked that question. Yeah. You know, But it's something kind of cute and innocent about that question yeah, as well. It's not yeah. like people are trying to bring you That's, down. Yeah, I think it's just a very difficult thing for people to understand. Well, I find it funny, like... Um, you know, around sort of around the Christmas period of time, um, yeah. you know, where you um, you see some extended family members or whatever people that you hardly ever ever see, and you'll, yeah. you but you'll there'll be some kind of like get together, and you'll there'll be you know the old family friend of your in laws or whatever there that yeah. you haven't seen through. Yeah, and always in those situations. There's, it's like, oh, you know, so um, how's the music going? How's the band going? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, um, and like, so there's this thing I find with a lot of people um, where they, like, if they aren't aware of what you're doing, mm. they make you, they have this assumption like, well, if I don't know about something that's good, if I don't know about something that's going mm. on, well, it can't be of any if it's not in my sort of sphere of yeah then it's then it's not happening yeah like at this pub once at a Jebediah at a, we were doing a show uh, sound checking at this pub and this guy is like you know he goes this well intentioned guy but he was really drunk and he goes like yeah you know uh, you know because he'd come over and was like asking for photos and I love yeah, you guys yeah, yeah you're playing and I, he goes yeah you say like you guys kind of just like fell off the radar a bit like, yeah <laughs> Like, so you guys, like, so you're still kind of touring around stuff. You felt right. And I was kind of like, like, it really kind of depends on how you look at it. I said, well, no, we pretty much just, like, kept going. I think, like, maybe you fell off the radar. Yeah. Like, I think maybe what happened is you just stopped yeah. coming to see us play. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, but that's because I think if you're not getting played on Triple J all the time or if you're not, it's... Well, not even that, if you're not being no. played on, like, commercial radio... Yeah, you know, yeah. or like, or the other thing, I guess, like people, you know, often, you know, without necessarily intending to, part of it's probably human nature, but you know, they are they are the center of their own kind of world. Yeah, so a lot yeah. of the time, you know, the world sort of revolves around them. And I don't mean that in a mean way. I mean just in a just the way that people can be. Well, you are what your orientation provides you. Yeah, you know, that's the sense. Like you could be a different person, and you know, you might be someone who grew up in a different environment and just going like Rob Young is my hero, you know, even yeah. though that maybe Radio Birdman don't play anymore. Yeah. But whereas that same guy, you might not even know who Rob Young was. Yeah, you yeah, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Like it's all depends on where you, what part of the space you exist yeah, in. Yeah. There's also that thing of, um, 
I think there's, from the musician's perspective in Australia, and I probably think artists and actors have the same scenario, it takes a long time before you realise, and you never even have the, have the, you know, oh, you couldn't possibly say this when you were younger, but this is your life's work. Yeah. This is actually what you do, yeah. and this is your life's work, especially if you've been in a band for over 20 years. This is your life's work. Yeah. Like, and you should be proud of it, that yeah. especially if you've been successful and, and people dig your work and you've done, had great adventures and it's been an adventure. Like that's, that's a pretty amazing thing to do, but it's, yeah. it's something that's very unsaid because it just, there's always this feeling of like, oh, it can't last forever. I better go and do something normal or yeah. there's external pressures to do that. Yeah. And it, it's only when you've been around for a really long time because, you know, I don't think those same people would say, oh, you still enjoying it? To Paul, <laughs> to Paul Kelly or, yeah, to, yeah. <laughs> or to Nick Cave. Right. You know, it's just like, it's just something about that the artist almost in Australia has to be around for so long before they are, oh, okay, that's what you do. You mm. almost have to do it for 30 yeah. years yeah. or even in your own consciousness that you come to the realisation that this is actually who I am, this is actually yeah. what I do. And yeah. you can do heaps of other things in life, but this is the fulcrum, this is the cornerstone of your existence in mm. a lot of ways. Same as if you were, you know, working in whatever other industry. It's like this, people mm. don't have any problem in regular work of saying, I am this. Yeah, this yeah. is what, and I think as people get older, they talk about work and they talk about property. It's just this, they don't talk about weird shit anymore. They don't, <laughs> they don't talk about, and even artists are subject to that because there's an element of, if you want the perception of you as a success to be out there, you kind of, there's an external pressure by society that you kind of made something of yourself. So yeah, you want to have yeah. some money, you want to own some property. Yeah, yeah. You want to be able to, you don't want to be a loser who's been yeah, doing yeah. it for, but not that you are. You could be an, you could be an amazing artist or musician and done, worked for years and done amazing shit and maybe didn't have much money and didn't own property, but society is going to look down upon you. Yeah. You could be another dickhead who works in a totally crap industry and have heaps of money and heaps of property. But in my mind, you're you're nothing compared to the artist. Again, it, it, this is my own orientation. No disrespect to anyone in any other world. I'm not yeah. specifying about what sort of work. Yeah. But I have great respect for artists because of that, because yeah. of the risk. Again, know? I because think what I'm saying is like you know when you're at high school, who's the captain of the footy team? Yeah, yeah. Who's the best looking bloke? Who's got the best looking chick? Yeah. Da, 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 da. Who can slam dunk? Who's yeah, yeah. who's who's run the fastest? Yeah, who's who's gonna piss the teacher off? Like this is the yeah, legend. Yeah, yeah. Blokes when they get older, it's like who's got the most money? Yeah. Who's got the who's on the best holidays? Who's got the yeah, nicest yeah, car? Yeah. Who's got the most property? There's all this way of sizing each other up, and yeah. I think it's it's a responsibility as artists to exist outside that bullshit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. and this is one of the things I love about the world is that heaps of my friends, like you and I, are similar age, but. Um, I know some musicians who are heaps older than me and heaps younger. Yeah, like yeah, I, know, yeah. I know some musicians are like 20 yeah, and I yeah, hang yeah. out with them. Yeah, you know, yeah. I know some that are like 60, 70 yeah. year old and I can talk to them. We all talk equally about the same stuff on the yeah, same yeah. level. And yeah. what, other, what other fields mm. of, um, of existence can you do that? Yeah, and yeah. actors are the same, yeah. artists. It's just something about it that's one of my favorite things is this, this brotherhood and sisterhood that happens mm. because most people exist in a world where they hang out with these people who make the same amount of money as them, who mm. kind of look and dress the same as them, mm. who live in the same area as them. So there's this homogenization of yeah. existence, which is yeah. not the case when you're young so much. You're more yeah, about yeah. exploring. Yeah. So I think 
I don't know. It it is risky, but I can't imagine doing anything else. I really yeah. like when you question. You were talking about that before. It's like you're still doing it. You fell off the radar or whatever. It's just like what you're actually. You just say, "I'm off on my own trip, man. I'm never. <laughs> I don't know what's going on." Essentially, yeah, yeah. you're a traveler. Yeah. You yeah. know. Whereas I, you're, I you're not stuck in the same place. It's an, going back to you know what you're saying before. I think it's also a bit of an Aussie thing too, like because you know Australia hasn't ever really kind of. Um, well, this is just my impression and interpretation, but um, hasn't really kind of um, made the same kind of investment in any sense of the word into its own kind of art and culture and stuff, mm. which is the reason why we we as a as a as a general kind of country, yeah, like place so much importance and pride on things like owning a house and yeah, you know, m- making money and the whole and all that stuff that you're yep. talking about. Um, whereas, yeah, like in, there would be, you know, I think of like, if you're in France or something, you know, and somebody had devoted their entire life to art and live in, have, live in their little rented apartment yeah. or whatever, and they've never owned a house, probably no. never even occurred to them. And that wouldn't be considered in any way, in any way, any kind of failure no, whatsoever. No, same as if, if you were in New York. Exactly. Yeah. It's the same thing. I agree. And it's especially prevalent now in the sense that, because this is a big issue in Australian society, now that Australia's become so expensive, mm. and you know, I guess it took a long time for it to catch up, but it's a magical place. Mm. And so all of the major cities are so expensive. So this yeah. goes beyond artists. This yeah. goes. This is basically an issue with all young people yeah. who might work in any industry, making great money, cannot afford to get into the housing That's market. Insane. That's just like, yeah. it's done. Yeah. And it happened in England many years ago. If you're a Londoner, forget about it. It's yeah. just like, so that whole orientation that is still a leftover of our, I guess, baby boomer Boomers, existence yeah. and next gen, because we, I think we're kind of the, the last crew who managed to get houses and like yeah. have an existence and still be, you know, fucked up punk rockers. It's all right. Yeah. But if you were a musician now, so much harder oh, if man. you were starting. Yeah. And so it changes the whole orientation of, of the way you live your life yeah. because the, the stigma is still there. And we're seeing on... The, the, in politics all the time of their young people saying um, we can't afford a house the government needs to help out and sort of somehow fix the housing market to make it yeah. more affordable and then other people saying no we can't you can't fix something that's essentially based on market economics because everyone bases their investment future upon the value of the way things yeah. are now if you make everything cheap the people who who haven't got a house now can buy one, but the people who invested are up shit creek because yeah. their investment goes down the tube. So it's this, and this is happening all over the world. It's just yeah. like, and it's the same in Perth. It's the same in Melbourne, in Sydney, in Brisbane, all of the major cities. There are still places in the country and on the coast that are affordable, yeah. but most people can't afford, can't go and live in these places because their jobs are in the city. So yeah. how are they going to afford it? So it's a real issue. If, yeah. if no one gave a shit about it, and it's, I think it's up to landlords to kind of do the right thing. I mean, when you've got, like, when, when I first lived in Melbourne, you could get a house for 40 bucks a week. Yeah, yeah. For same. a room, 40 yeah, bucks a week. That's, ex- that's exactly what I paid in rent in the very first house I lived yeah, in. Yeah, and then all of a sudden now, people are lining up around the corner to just try and get in a rental. Yeah. And having to, I read this article last week, and... Um, People saying that the only way they got the house was to give them an extra hundred bucks, give the agent a hundred bucks a week yeah, extra. Yeah. So there's yeah. all this, there's all this corruption going on and all yeah. this dodginess. That's just to get a rental. Yeah, you know? yeah. 
insane. But you know, I've got the impression from things that I've read too, is that a lot of like um, people, young people, like in you know their late teens, early twenties, um, are kind of now starting to kind of go, well, well, like we're never going to own a house. Like that's yeah. that's like a, a, a dream from a from an old generation. It's not going to apply to us. Never going to own a house. So they've kind of almost in in kind of giving up on that. Yeah. on that sort of or, or dream set, or that's, been, that's been sort of exactly that's yeah. going to say and be really, going to be really interesting because if they're not even thinking about that as being like something that is mm. is to strive for yeah. well then that opens them them up to yeah. having you know to be doing other things yeah, you know, and devoting g- their their kind of dreams and stuff onto other onto other well things. it also it also in a, a generation to come hopefully will destroy that stigma yeah because the classic one, and I don't know if this exists in other countries so much, but it's so common where you're sitting at a barbecue and there's this weird thing that strangers, when they meet, they often do this thing where they size each other up and it's this, like, I don't think they even realize they're doing it. This yeah. is, I never fucking talk about this shit. I never ask someone, do they own their own home? Yeah. And I don't ask them how much money they make. Yeah. It's just, it's bullshit. I don't, yeah. If you want to tell me, that's fine. We could talk about it. But I don't, I'm not into sizing people up. Let's talk about some weird shit. Let's talk about, <laughs> fuck, I really like your jacket. Or like, <laughs> what, what about that crazy thing about some yeah. politics or art or some yeah. shit. But I don't like this way of people just always shaping up each other's like worthiness. And yeah, this, yeah. this thing I can't stand and people do. So where do you live? And then they go, oh, yeah, we live in so-and-so. Oh, yeah, we're just renting. Yeah, yeah. We're just renting. Yeah. So it's it's a way of saying, yes, I know, we're only renting. We're not... It's like... Yeah, yeah, and they don't yeah, even yeah. realise they're saying it. And this is symptomatic of the psychological effect of this on the whole society, this whole yeah, culture. Yeah, yeah. And also the, the people, just this endless fucking talking about property and barbecues and shit. It's yeah, just it's, so mundane yeah, and mindless. yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's an interesting it's, subject, but do we have to talk about obsession. the whole thing? It is. And it becomes a backslapping session for yeah. everyone about so-and-so, we're doing this renovation, we're doing that, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. It's, I just don't know when that started to happen. I'd almost like to go back in time and see, did that, is that the way people used to talk in the 80s? Yeah, you know, Because I, yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. So is this sense of like the, this expectation to own property and be successful has all of these more subtle down the line psychological effects mm. on the whole population where everyone's just trying to size themselves up selves mm. up i don't yeah. know if people that are really young and just don't, don't give a know. shit really talk about that so much maybe it's more of a 30s and 40s concept yeah, i think definitely and and you know i reckon that it's possible that in the 70s and 80s it probably didn't get talked about so much because because well, everything it was, was cheap. accessible. Everything it was, was cheap. It was it was expected that if you had a just a basic job, that um, you would be able to you know own your own home. That yeah, was just a, it was normal. It was normal. Exactly. So I, I doubt whether people would have been that obsessed I, over it because it would have mm. just been like yeah whatever. Yeah. that's what everybody's just doing. Yeah, I'd love, to be a, <laughs> love to be a fly on the wall in a you know go back in time. Me and too, I think, yeah. Like what are you actually talking about? You know? Yeah. But I don't, um, I'd like to think that the, like you say, like, because if you lived in a place like New York, if you're from Manhattan, it's yeah. the same thing. What they have, 
there is and in Europe is long term leases. So you you yeah. sign a, a lockdown lease for twenty five years yeah. and the rent never changes. Yeah. You know, and, and it's like this is <laughs> yeah exactly. And that's what that's what we need to have in Australia yeah. so that people go well. I want to rent. That's cool. And it can be you can set yourself free. It can be cheaper than a mortgage. It can you're not locked in. Yeah. Mortgages aren't all they're cracked up to be because if if investments drop, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, all this totally. fucking rates. Yeah, yeah. There's all this other shit. If you're renting, you're free to do whatever. You can invest in other things if you want to. Yeah, if yeah. you're interested in in money. Yeah. But if but I think the one of the problems is is this whole landlord bullshit going on in Australia where people can be kicked out so quickly because they know yeah. they can get someone else in yeah, yeah. next week who pays twice as much rent. Like yeah. that needs to stop. So yeah. that people should be able to lock into. But it's it the other side of the of the money, property scenario is very much about the dudes and who are making lots out of it. This is their great motherload mm. opportunity. You know, this is the whole thing with economics. Like someone prospers at someone else's expense. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Why I'm very much a socialist, I think. Yeah. Off to the coast. <laughs> yeah, me too. You know. um, let's talk about music, shall we? Yeah, it's a bit of a property um, section. You can cut that if you want. It's too you, depressing. Um, too depressing. Know, that, that property advice was free. <laughs> that was free. Yeah, yeah. Comes at no charge. Um, It'll probably come out sounding really good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But uh, yeah, we should talk about music um, now. Uh, this segment for anybody. Oh, is this that, the, the, the favorite songs bit? Yeah, yeah. And I know that um, you know you're not. Uh, you don't. You don't listen. To, you don't use iTunes. No, but I, I listen to also. music all the time. Yeah. And I what I do. A lot is play records yeah so I um, we lived in Melbourne for a long long time and then we we moved up up to Byron so we live in Byron Shire up in um, South Golden Beach which yeah. is a pretty really close to where Splendor in the Grass is yeah and it's really chilled out beach is awesome the ocean has it's really nice to live by the ocean because I'm yeah. from the I'm from the country Riverina so yeah the ocean to me is almost like going to heaven yeah. it's like every time you walk over over the um, the hill and the, the the ocean greets you. It's yeah. just like this massive revelation. Yeah. A bit like every time you get on a plane and look at the clouds. Like it's yeah, like yeah. look at this this beauty. Yeah, it's it's kind of humbling and yeah. and it's a ecstatic feeling at the same time. Yeah. Um. And so I have all my records and I buy heaps of records all the time, and I just listen to records all the time. There's something yeah. really I'm getting back into analog in a major way. Yeah. And I used to I used to play records a lot in Melbourne too, but there's something about the commitment to a record that I like. Yeah. Maybe that's why I'm not a playlist guy. Um, so it's kind of the opposite of, in a way of this whole variation thing. So and I've got a few records that I play a lot. I started buying a lot of classical records, and this yeah, is right. back in the last the last few years of living in Carlton. Um, I used to go to op shops all the time, and there's always stacks of records. Sure. There's always Max Bygraves, and there's always like. Um, you know, Richard Clayderman and these hideous, like, bad yeah. 70s, like, top of the pops records with the yeah. piano plays, the, the hits of the day, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but there's always a lot of classical records. And mm. I started buying these because I was interested in this world. I used to play in orchestras at uni and stuff when I was, when I was a kid. And um, I just bought them and not having any idea what they were like. And they're nearly always in really pristine condition because... Mm. Cl- People that have classical records are generally pretty neat and tidy types. They're not all they're not all spilling beers yeah, and yeah, scotch yeah. all over yeah. the records and cigarette butts. And they were like cheap, fifty yeah, yeah. cents, fifty yeah. cents, one dollar. So I, I developed this huge collection. 
and I discovered um, these composers. So um, give us one that's kind of like... Well, you know, I reckon Vivaldi is probably my favourite composer. Yeah. And like Vivaldi is... So what are some of Vivaldi's more famous... Well, the Four Seasons is his, uh, is yeah. his famous How work. How does that one go? That's a... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But, I mean, I, I really love his um, cello concertos. I love his um, concerto for two trumpets and orchestra. It's one of my favourite pieces of music in the whole world. But you have to get a really good recording of it. All his music was played by women, so he was a priest, and he um, his orchestra came from an orphanage of, of female only or- orphanage in Venice yeah. that was that was um, funded by um, by the merchants of the of the town, yeah. and so all of his performances were played by women, young women who were orphans, and they right. used to go up in this. If you've, anyone's ever been to Venice at St Mark's St Mark's Cathedral, which is the big golden dome church right. and you walk in it's very different to a lot of other churches in europe because it's lots of mosaic because because venice is is like it's almost like getting closer to the more eastern side of europe right. so there's a lot of influences from other yeah, other yeah. parts of of europe yeah and they the singers and the orchestras used to be upstairs in these in these rafters which are all cordoned off with these really ornate sort of um lattice work and stuff and you can just imagine walking in to the church because you never see the orchestra. Yeah, so the, yeah. And the music was coming down from the heavens. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's, he had twin brothers who were big brawlers and gamblers. Yeah. So they used to box on all the yeah. time. Yeah. And he was just like constantly bailing them out. He also was incredibly successful in his own time. And then once he died, his music was essentially forgotten for 300 years, disappeared. Amazing. So I guess what I'm getting at, I love Mozart as well, as you go into the history of classical music, it's so similar to pop music. They're just dudes making music. This is their living. Yeah. Uh, Mozart was really um, produ- um, productive in for such a, a very short life. Yeah. He died when he was 36. Um, Franz Schubert, even younger, at 32. Yeah, wow. And he composed more songs than even the Beatles did. Like, he's amazing. Yeah. And But these guys, they'd have to get commissions. People would love them. And like pop, Mozart's very much similar to like a pop phenomenon where he's the biggest band in the world and then yeah. everyone goes, oh, I'm sick of him now. He's yeah, crap. Yeah. And he died penniless because his career was basically over and it right. was nothing to do with him being, um, you know, dodgy or people just got sick of his music. Yeah, and it's yeah. the same thing that could happen to any artist. So you're the, that subject of if you're popular or not. And you're not at the time seen as this great genius. I was going to say. just another you know, dude who's making records. So much of, you know, what is considered now to be high art at the time that it was created no. was not considered no, no. in any way. It exactly. was all folk music, you know. It's the yep. same with, like, Shakespeare and stuff, you know. Yeah. Like, Shakespeare's, like, this higher art kind yeah. of thing. And, but, well, yeah, at the time, it was total folk. It was theater, and there was but, a lot of politics involved, too. Like, um, you had to get on side with the crown and with mm. the people in the money at the time so they mm. could give you gigs so you could be seen as being part of the you know the correct scene mm. um 
your music, you made money by concerts and maybe conducting if you're a conductor or a musician as well, like Liszt was and also Mozart. But you also made most of your money through publishing. So your publisher, which was the record company of the day, you would compose music, but you needed a deal to get your music out there to yeah. the masses. And if you sold really well, and there was, I think, um, I think Joseph Haydn was another one, but he was really savvy in the way Mozart wasn't. He just was a total money man, so he became really successful. But in some ways, I don't know. Sometimes the tragedy, very similar to to rock and roll. Yeah. The there's a the, the tragic existence of you know people wouldn't probably love Brian Wilson so much if he was a real straight down the line guy yeah, yeah. and didn't turn out to be a crazy person. You know, there's yeah, something yeah. about the the tragedy in art in artists that that um, adds to the mystique oh, of their of worth. Absolutely. You know, of their work. Yeah, yeah, totally. There's another song I've been listening to heaps, listening to a fair bit of Simon and Garfunkel. It's like, oh, yeah. I think the thing is, is that when you've got records, you have a whole bunch of records and you, rather than trying to flip through your massive collection, you just keep spinning the same bunch. So in a way, it is a bit like a playlist. Yeah. And this Simon and Garfunkel greatest hits I play all the time. And I love the song, um, uh, is it I'm a Rock, I'm an Island? Do you know that song? No. I am a rock, I am an island. I don't know if it's called... I'm an island, I'm a rock A winter's day In a deep and dark December I am alone Gazing from my window to the streets below on a freshly fallen silent shroud of snow I am a rock I am an island I've built walls a fortress deep and mighty that No need of friendship, friendship causes pain It's laughter and it's loving I disdain I am a rock, I am an island yeah, That song, is, it's amazing, it's basically about I love the, the lyrical sentiment is about the person denying himself love because he's protecting himself from pain mm. you know, and it's 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 very meaningful in the sense that he just locks himself away from the world because he knows he can't be harmed. Like his apartment is his super suit of armor. Yeah, yeah. It's got this all these great words in it, and um, it's a really defiant song. Yeah. But in a, in a clever way, it's just such a sad story because yeah. he's just. It's like denying oneself happiness to avoid sadness. Yeah, yeah. So it's almost like self medicating yeah. in a sense. I really love what that record, song. What record is I don't know. It's on a greatest hits. Oh, it's on a greatest like, hits. Okay. Um, a winter's day in a cold and dark December. I am alone. Great changes too. Fantastic yeah. changes. Safe behind my window. Here I feel no pain. I am a rock. I am an island. I'll, I'll find it and we'll, we'll yeah play I'll, that. We'll it's it really it. great recording of it. Yeah. Um, I've been listening because I did a Beatles tribute show. I listened to a lot of Beatles. Yeah, recently, and my, the one song I was really proud of and I wanted to do, I told the guys, was For No One. You want her, 
you need her And yet you don't believe her When she says her love is dead You think she needs you Nothing, no sign of love beyond the tears Cried for no one A love that should have lasted years One of my ultimate breakup song, I guess Which I'd had um, listened to many years ago a lot And I still think it's one of my favourite Beatles songs It's an amazing um, French horn solo in it And I looked up and, I, and through that song I, I learned about the guy who played that French horn solo, um, anyway, I was in a, in an op shop looking at classical records. I was in the Billy Nudgel op shop. I bought like 30 records, this whole <laughs> collection of records. Yeah. And one record stood out to me, and it's this giant gold cover, and it, all it said on it was Dennis Brain. Right. And I'm like, who is Dennis Brain? And yeah. I'm so, it's so such a weird name. <laughs> I've got to look this guy up. And I put the record on it. It was all French horn. And I looked at, I was reading the notes and he's like, Dennis Brain was this um, English French hornist. And his, his father was the finest French hornist in, in Britain. Yeah. Um, his grandfather was the finest French hornist oh in Europe. Oh my God. And I'm like, oh, this is really interesting. Generation to generation. Yeah. And he French was horn. one of the greatest French hornists in Europe as well. But Dennis was different because he was, he was a bit of a rascal oh. and he just didn't ever practice... He was obsessed with car magazines, and but he was the greatest, one of the greatest classical musicians in the whole country. And he would come in to do a a, a sight reading session, so they'd be recording for a record. Mm. And he would know the part; he would hear it, be able to hear a part once, and then memorize it, kind of like Mozart could do. Yeah. And um, there's these images of him like playing in, with the London Symphony Orchestra. Everyone's really serious, and he's got car magazines <laughs> on his like music stand, <laughs> flipping through car mags while he's playing. But his playing was beautiful, and I started looking him up and getting all these photos off, off the internet, and he's just really cheeky looking and funny. And anyway, once his, his best friend was kind of like the second greatest <laughs> French hornist in England, but nothing like nothing like Dennis. But how they, does, did he play on the Beatles? Well, I was like, going to say, let me finish. If, uh, I'm sorry, I'm taking so long with the story, but <laughs> so it is, you did learn a long podcast. <laughs> sorry, bro. Anyway, so um, they went up to do this show in Edinburgh and um, he had one of his sports cars and he offered his mate a lift back to London where they had a show the next night. Yeah. He's like, no, Dennis, I have to practice the parts. I'm not, no, not everyone's like you and doesn't have to practice. <laughs> like, okay, cool, man. See you yeah, tomorrow. Yeah. Anyway, um, died in a car accident <gasps> on the way back. Oh, my this is in, God. in the late 50s. Sounds like a movie. Yeah, and he died. And so the guy who got the gig in the Beatles record who was made only a few years later was his best friend. Yeah, oh, wow. So I ne- and I'd always had an affinity with this song. So I had this weird sort of cyclic op shop journey kind of trip yeah. about finding this new character through this particular song and through this this record that I found. So that I guess story I'm, sounds like it would make an awesome Yeah, it show. does. I know. You can flesh see, that out. As make... a Triumph TR7, which I, I like that car, yeah, being, yeah. A, being a sports car owner myself. Yeah. So I was like... I think my dad might yeah. have had one of those when he was a young Yeah, it's a real 50s kind well. of... A, yeah. It's an English sort of yeah. convertible. Yeah, yeah. But I don't know. I guess I guess I'm rambling on so much about all this shit is I, I'm finding myself getting into the whole um, 
adventure of, of an artistic life these yeah, days, yeah. really less worried about trying to prove myself. Mm. And if I'm, it's, it's really good. Um, like the, the other day we, we had the cover of beat and we were really surprised at the, at the, this thing. And it said a spider bait, join the ranks of Aussie rock royalty. Yeah, yeah. And we just, it really blew us out. Really? Like we could never have imagined that ever, I'm not that that means anything, but it was pretty like far out. That's... I'm sure that I'm, kind of term would have been thrown around with you guys for I know, I know, but I guess it's weird just to feel like in a sense that you've... Just, I'm just not so worried about what people think anymore. Yeah. It used to be really, yeah. it used to affect me a bit. Yeah. And I feel so much more comfortable and it makes me perform better. Yeah. But it's almost like now you can just enjoy yeah. being who you are rather than trying to find out who you yeah. are through it. Absolutely. So yeah. I, don't, I don't know if you feel I feel like the same that. way. Yeah, absolutely. It with, makes you, it's... With Jebediah, not so much as, as Bob Evans, I, you know, but certainly with Jebediah, I feel like, yeah, that I don't feel that, any kind of pressure to 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 prove ourselves anymore. Yeah. I feel like, for, and it's only happened in the last few years, but I feel finally like I can look back at the past and kind of go, yeah, you know, we we did all right, and mm. I'm I'm proud of it. And even the first record, which was you know it was one of the interesting things about doing the whole album from start to finish thing and yeah. listening to it for the first time in such a long yeah. time and I'd avoided listening to that record yeah I was the same with Ivan I'd avoid listening because I just I wasn't going to enjoy it it's going to be awkward and uncomfortable and nobody listens to it apart and, Australian bands never uh, listen to their own records anyway you know but it's just, it, for me it would be like looking at you know I was like a teenager when I you know when we made that record and when a lot of those songs were written and mm. so it's like looking at photos of yourself as a teenager and just you know you're mm. in that awkward pubescent kind of period it's yeah. just it's just not much fun no but finally i finally got to the point where i could just i had enough distance from it where i, f- I finally for the first time ever i listened to it and i felt like i got a sense of what other people might have heard when yeah. it came out yeah and i finally started to think well maybe this is why 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 people liked it yeah and, and the things that i remember at the time that i didn't like it about it I realised where a lot of the stuff that people liked about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, all those things that for me sounded like, oh, that's not how I imagine it would sound in my head. Or that just doesn't sound like, you know, such and such a band that I'm trying to emulate. Yeah, yeah. The very fact that it didn't sound like those things, <laughs> yeah. I think, was what made it yeah. unique and different and what people liked about it. Because yeah, you, people are like, oh, what the fuck is this? Like, yeah. You could only, it only takes um, hindsight in a way to be able to stand outside of yourself yeah. and appreciate something yeah. that from not perspective of yourself I had exactly the same thing with Ivy the tour was counting down I still hadn't listened to it counting down counting (laughs) down like I fuck I'm gonna have to do it it. (laughs) so I did it in the car just the best place to do it just drove around a lot and I was like this is fucking good (laughs) holy shit and it's exactly the same thing because often you're not the best critic of your own work this is why other people the influence they have on your career like it's why people at your gigs um, are so important it's not just that they're buying tickets it's that they can see or yeah. get into your music in a way maybe that you don't because yeah, it's you totally you know it's, yeah. it's it's something impossible about yeah getting getting into your own stuff it's just there's so much there's ego and there's all this other bullshit and perspective mm. and and we're the same with anything that's not ours you know yeah and yeah so 
yeah, I had exactly the same experience, and then I, I sort of it was my way of relearning the songs, just like leaving it in the car for yeah, a yeah, few yeah. Weeks. That's exactly what I did. Yeah, you know, but it's also really oh, thank Christ, it's not shit. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because you you're a bit worried about it or about that's exactly what you say, and then the the next feeling that took took hold of me was that I got a great sense of of feeling very sentimental. Yeah, yeah. about. Oh, I'm not. I'm not really that person anymore. Yeah, and I, he's gone totally. now. And yeah. he was kind of. I liked him. He was a good guy. You yeah, know, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not sad that I'm not him anymore because I'm happy to be me. But it was just a particular moment in your life that's captured. Yeah, they had a bit of a revelation the other day, and that is that one of the great things about being a musician is that you never run out of any run out of things to talk about with other musicians <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because I know that because we're, we're doing a podcast it's like there's impetus to talk about all different things yeah. but how many times have you sat around in a hotel room or at a gig oh, or yeah. with other musicians and all you talk about is music yeah, yeah. and you never get tired of it yeah. conversation never gets like with most <laughs> conversations there's always a bit of a flat point a lull, yeah. never gets flat yeah, yeah. and it just never ends and yeah. it can go on for like years <laughs> Different, and, it, and I've had yeah. this I'm thinking yeah never did that get boring no it didn't get boring no <laughs> it could be a coked up bit yeah. late night yeah. and you're just like you're fucking amazing man you're subscribed yeah. no shut up yours yeah. is good to another one of like getting into the history of like electro and oh, have you heard this record yeah. and I played a bit oh it's amazing and he yeah. worked on that record to businessy style and that producer I want to work with him oh, he, totally, wouldn't, he yeah, wouldn't work with me because yeah. he was how's that man this manager's a fucking idiot you know like, <laughs> how is that man whatever happened to them and, yeah you know, yeah so, yeah like a lot of common memories of like you know some like band or, or, yeah. or CD that like you got into when you were younger yeah like I just today someone's always played with someone massive yeah yeah as well like we played with Guns N' Roses someone else played with the Stones yeah, someone yeah. else met Bob Dylan so, you know yes, like, yeah, yeah and it's it just yes. has never ended yeah <laughs> I don't think it'll ever end well, on that note, let's end this. Okay. <laughs> I, think that's, I think that's perfect. Thank uh, thanks a lot, Crab, for talking to me. I appreciate it. Giving up your St. Patrick's Day. I know what an important what day What better time to be talking to you, my friend. <laughs> Listen, um, I want to wish you... Oh, I'm not going to look you in the eye. I'm going to look at your, your uh, Tascam DR40 droid. <laughs> I wish you all the love in the world. Love you lots and heaps. And may your future be as wonderful as your past. <laughs> Cheers. See ya.